Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we have a lot to talk about, so we're just going to jump straight into it. Auburn basketball had a big week. Auburn beat Ole Miss on Wednesday by a score of 77-64 to 64, and then dropped a game yesterday in Knoxville against Tennessee, 62-67. to 67. Um, Due to uh, kind of a little bit of craziness in the SEC, Auburn still holds the first-place spot. You have Arkansas and Kentucky and Tennessee all in a three-way tie for second place. Um, So, Wheeler, just kind of give us your thoughts about that Tennessee game. I think that's really what everyone uh, is really interested in hearing kind of our analysis on. But just walk us through kind of what you were thinking going in throughout the game, uh, where your mind was going in that last two minutes where it seemed like we were down and out and then Jabari just kind of put the team on his back and made it a game again, and then just kind of the aftermath. Just kind of walk us through where you were and kind of what your perspective is for the rest of the season. I am hitting the panic button. Boom, I hit it. Panic button initiated. Here's why. Everyone that's not hitting the panic button keeps running with the narrative. How can you hit the panic button when you're still number one in the SEC? And here, here is my reason that you can still hit the panic button, being number one in the SEC. If Auburn had three SEC losses, as they do, and they happened spread out over a long period of time, then no, I'm not hitting the panic button because basketball teams lose. The problem is all of Auburn's losses in basketball have happened in the last three weeks. We haven't had back-to-back wins in weeks, and honestly – haven't played well in any of the losses or any of the wins. We are playing bad basketball right now, headed into the part of the season that is the most important. That's why I'm hitting the panic button. I'm not hitting the panic button because of where we are in the rankings. I don't care if we're number one seed in the NCAA tournament. I'm hitting the panic button because if they're playing like they are right now, they're not going to win very many games in the month of March. Now, can they bounce back? Yes, they can. I, do I believe they will? I, I really hope they do. But so far, the best thing I've heard is, oh, Auburn doesn't shoot well with a Nike basketball. What, what does that even mean? Are you kidding me? Who, who thinks that you can blame the basketball for not playing well in three of your last six games? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That is the softest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. If you say, oh, I can't play well today. We're playing with the Nike basketball. For real? Like, it's still a basketball. It's a regulation basketball. Figure it out. Like, when you go to the NBA, you're get, it's going to be tough. Like, you, you might not play with the basketball you used to. Oh, oh no, I can't shoot the three ball. The, the, the rebound's going to go further. What? Are you kidding me? No. The basketball is not the reason Auburn sucks right now. The reason Auburn is not playing right well right now is the guards are not very good. The effort on the rebounding yesterday was not where you want it to be. First half, it was terrible. Like I, The players even said after the game, we got to do a better job of getting rebounds. They had like 11 offensive rebounds in the first like nine minutes of the game. That's You're not going to win basketball games when the other team is taking three and four shots on a possession. Like, I don't care how good your defense is. They can't, they can't hold up for four shots in a possession against a decent team. Totally got out-efforted on the boards in the first half. Second of all, 
I have no idea why the only time we let Jabari Smith try and take over the game is when the ball game is over and Auburn's already lost the game. Every single one of our losses, they're like, oh, well, we're not going to win anyway. Let's just see what happens if we feed, I don't know, the lottery pick the ball. Oh, snap. He starts making shots. Like, he's the guy you should be giving the ball to when you still have a chance to win the game. Why is it that we think Wendell and KD are the go-to guys to win the game, and then when it's over, it's like, oh, yeah, give it to the lottery pick? It's just so stupid. I, I don't understand the game plans at the end of the game. I don't know. I don't know if it's Bruce. I don't know if it's the players being selfish. I don't know what it is. Like, I am still all in on this team, and I love this team, and I'm going to support them, you know, whatever happens. But I, I do not understand why you don't give the ball to the best player on the team until the game is over. It makes no sense. It just doesn't make any sense. And then you get out-rebounded by Tennessee, who I understand had a big guy, but, like, come on, go get a board. They were just killing us on the boards. It's just, it's frustrating because the things, it's not like they're things you can't fix that are losing the game. It's things like getting out-rebounded on the offensive end. It's things like having guys who are cold in their shooting still shooting like they are, you know, super high. It's not what you want. There are critical moments in the game where Wendell's taking shots from 50 feet from the basket when there's 20 seconds left on the shot clock. Just completely unnecessary shots because he gets gassed up on Twitter after the game when everybody says, oh, he splashed from the logo. Like, yeah, it's really cool when he does that, but sometimes you need to win the game. And winning the game isn't shooting the ball from 50 feet away. I don't care if you say that's your shot. That's nobody's shot. There's there's a reason why game on the line, most teams are not like, all right, let's let's draw up a play to put somebody on the logo. Now, the reason Damian Lillard went famous for that is because it doesn't happen. That's not a, a normal thing, you know? So, I don't know. It's just it's frustrating to see what's happening and to hear the excuses. And again, like we said, I why are you dancing on the logo? Like, why is that happening? Like, I, I love having swag and stuff, but you shouldn't be dancing on the other team's logo when you've lost three straight on the road. Like, that's just stupid. At some point, you have to be smart about it. Same thing with going and getting a technical foul for cussing out the guy you're playing against and getting a turnover. The guy throws the ball to you and you throw it back at his face. Like, Come on, you got to get your emotions in check for a big game. You can't be getting texts and getting turnovers on back-to-back possessions because you're out of control and somebody disrespected you. I don't know. Super frustrating game, super frustrating part of the season. And I just hope that Bruce can get a handle on the team because it was all great when the team was rough and wild and doing all the crazy stuff when they were winning. But now they're doing all this stuff and it's losing them basketball games. Like they, they are genuinely doing stuff that they call swag that is directly contributing to taking an L on the schedule. They could have locked the SEC up yesterday. For real. They could have locked it up and they just, I mean, went on eight-minute scoring droughts and couldn't out-rebound and got stupid back-to-back turnovers because they were disrespected by the whatever guy from Serbia. I don't know. Super frustrating. I think I think that this is I think that what you've seen in the past few games is that Auburn has lost their identity. And that's the, I, I think that's the biggest thing is that Auburn in the beginning of the season knew who they were, you knew what you were getting, and it was just kind of a I don't know, it, it felt it felt like there has been a change, you know? And what the team that Auburn is is Auburn is not a team that can shoot threes. We're not a good three-point shooting team. We knew that. That's not going to change. We don't have guys that can shoot threes. And that's fine. That is okay if you if you change what you're doing, you know? So, in a lot of our games, Auburn has shot a lot of free throws because that was our game. We would get into the paint. We would get fouled. We would get points at the line. Against Arkansas, Arkansas was kind of the, the big one. We played a big game and we shot 17 free throws and our opponent shot 32. Usually when a team shoots 15 more free throws than you, they have a better chance of winning. 
especially when they shoot 81% from free throw land and you go 47. That was something that we pointed to when we, you know, when we were talking about that Arkansas game. The issue is Auburn, since that Arkansas game, Auburn has cut down turnovers and Auburn has gotten better shooting from the line, but they don't shoot from the line enough. Like we don't, we don't drive in enough. We, we just, we settle for shots a lot more. Jabari does, Jabari does it. That's the thing. Jabari can make any shot. And that's the thing that the, the tough thing about Jabari, he can make any shot on the court, but the problem is if he goes in and he gets fouled, he's a great free throw shooter. He needs to play the game to win. And yes, I know that he can make the mid-range shot. And the pull-up mid-range, yeah, like shoot that. When he does his fadeaway from the, you know, it's kind of like the deep elbow on the left side, he misses that shot more than he makes it. When he does a post-fade, his post-fade is consistent. But the thing is, his deep fadeaway mid-range shots, it's a low-percentage shot for a reason. And I know that he is a fantastic basketball player, and I know he can make it, but at some point, you have to shoot high-percentage shots. He can shoot a three, and I'm per- if he shoots a three, I'm fine with it because he can shoot over anybody. If he shoots a three, it's a good shot. He can do that. If he does a post-fade, it's a good shot. If he does a pull-up mid-range, it's a good shot. When he does his little footwork and gets separation, that's a fine shot. But the thing is, when he takes a highly contested, deep, fadeaway mid-range shot, it's like even if you make it, if it's – the kind of shot where the other team is not going to like if the other team's coach is not going to get onto his defense for you making the shot maybe it's not the best shot because like if you watch someone make that shot you're just like okay if he's going to make that shot he's going to make that shot because you're going to let him shoot that all day long no matter who he is that's a problem with Jabari but the issue is Jabari's the best player in the country and you've seen that I mean, against Arkansas, against Vanderbilt, against Florida, against Ole Miss, against Tennessee, he's been incredible. And I think the problem is, so I I think that this is what we have learned in the past few games. You know, I posted a poll, or I posted a, a post a couple, this was probably a couple months ago, and it was asking people who they thought the most impactful player on our Auburn's team was. And, you know, th- there are a lot of different arguments that you can make. And there's no doubt that Jabari Smith is the most talented player on this team. He is the best basketball player on Auburn's roster. But he is not the most impactful player. The most impactful player on Auburn's basketball team is Wendell Green. If Wendell Green is not playing well, Auburn has a very tough time winning, and I'll tell you why. When Jabari is not playing well, he's still like when he when his shots aren't falling, he's still playing elite defense. And if his shot's not falling, he can still score points. So Jabari is going to be an effective Auburn player no matter what. The thing is, with Wendell, if he is not playing well, then Walker's not playing well. Because Walker can't generate points. He, he's not the kind of player where you can give him the ball and he can give you consistent offense. And the majority of his points, you look at a lot of the games where he has been at his best, it's been on pick and roll. And the games where Wendell played the best and the games where he had the most assists were some of Walker's best games of the season. But we can win games when Walker is not a factor at all. And we've seen that. We saw that when we went into Coleman and we beat Alabama when he played like five minutes. Walker is a really good player, but the thing is Walker doesn't get his offense unless it's kind of handed to him by the pick and roll. You know, like all of a sudden Walker had eight points against Tennessee all of a sudden, if he gets, you know, two or three of those lobs or a putback, all of a sudden he's got 16 points, and you're like, oh, Walker did a really good job scoring. So when Wendell's shot isn't falling, this is a problem that he has. When he's not effective on the offensive end, he's not effective in any facet of the offensive end. Like, when Wendell is not a good scorer, he's not a good facilitator, he's not a good defender, like, he really struggles with having aspects of his game be good in a game. He's a very, either he's good or he's not kind of player. And that's the problem. You look at a guy like Zepp. Zepp was coming off his career high 15 points, and you saw how aggressive he was against Ole Miss. And you saw he was aggressive for the first four minutes against Tennessee, but he missed two shots in those first four minutes and didn't take another shot all game. Like, that's a problem that he has. KD, KD honestly had a good game. 
like he had 18 points, seven of 13 from the field. Like that was a, he played a good game, but you didn't really notice. Like it, it was all of his points were pretty quiet and he just didn't really, he, he wasn't really making a difference. And that's the thing. It was, nobody was stepping up. And that I think the problem was that the offense right now runs through Jabari. And it's a tough, this is a tough situation because the offense has changed. The offense runs through Jabari and it has for the past five games. And Jabari is the best player on the court. And Jabari is scoring a lot. Like he's had great scoring and you've seen how good he is. But the problem is no one else is playing good. Everyone is in a slump. And it seems like you're just like, okay, everyone is off except for Jabari. And the games where Auburn was at our best was when Jabari was scoring in the flow of the offense. But it seems like us forcing the ball to Jabari more is messing up the other guys. And that's not on Jabari. That's not on the game plan. But it's just like it's, it seems like it's messing up the flow of the offense. And you look at the bench. You know, the bench was something that Auburn really took a lot of pride in, in the bench scoring. And for another game, you know, Jalen Williams, zero points, one field goal attempt. Dylan Cardwell, zero points, no field goal attempts. Devin Cambridge, zero points, three field goal attempts. And then Wendell Green had five points on 15 field goal attempts. Another thing, when Wendell Green is not playing well, he should not be taking 15. Like, you don't take that many shots. That's a problem. Wendell does have a bit of the hero syndrome going on. When Auburn plays a good team, Wendell takes the most shots on the team. And that is that is consistent in pretty much every scenario. And he had the most shots on the team for the majority of the game until the very end of the game when Jabari was just shooting everything and it was go like it was going in, but it was like I mean the last like two minutes it was just Jabari just taking shots and we were just hoping that they went in. So when you look at this team and the biggest problem right now is scoring. Because defense has still been good. Like, you know, like the defense, they're still defending teams pretty well. And, you know, Walker's still a really good defender, even when he's not playing well on offense. Jabari's going to be Jabari no matter what. Allen, Allen actually played a really good game against Tennessee. I would say that all things considered, it was one of his best games all season. Allen played pretty well. KD played pretty well. And Zepp played okay. But the bench was so bad that we couldn't score. If Wendell can get out of his own head and he can become a scorer, and the thing is, he needs to get to the point where he takes easy stuff before he takes the hard stuff. And he is in a slump. He's been in a slump the past few games, and he tries to get out of the slump by taking step-back shots from the logo. That's not how you get out of a slump. You get out of a slump by getting some easy shots, getting fouled, getting some free throws, watching your shot go in. There's a lot to be said about seeing a shot that you shoot go in the basket, no matter where it is. Like, Seeing that you shoot the ball, it goes in, points go on the board, that can help you, and he's not trying to do that. Like, he didn't he didn't shoot a free throw. He didn't shoot a free throw all game. Like, Auburn's two point guards didn't shoot a free throw against Tennessee. That's There weren't that's a lot of free throws to be had. Yeah, but it's just like, like, you have to be aggressive. You have to go into the paint. Like, when your team's game is shoot free throws and you don't shoot a single free throw, like, that's just not that's just not good offense because Auburn is not a good offensive team without free throws because that's just how our game is. It was very similar. To, I mean, th- this team is really similar to how the team with Isaac Okoro and Samir Dowdy was. You know, it's like guard play is kind of inconsistent. You're a little forward heavy. You know, it was obviously, you know, we had a Samir Dowdy and that was better than any of our guards, but it was also Jabari was better than any of the forwards on that team. But that team in all their big games, they shot a lot of free throws because they went inside, they were aggressive, they got fouled. Because in college basketball, you're going to get calls if you drive to the basket, you know? Like, that's I think our problem is that we have strayed from our offensive identity, and now we have no offensive identity except for give the ball to Jabari and let's just hope that he does something. And if Jabari's not going to do anything, then I'll just shoot the ball, and I just hope it goes in. And it's not going in. And also, like you said, you know, with Tennessee, you know, this is something. So right now, if you look at the standings, Auburn is still in first. Arkansas 
technically in second when it comes to head-to-head. Arkansas in second, Kentucky's in third, Tennessee's in fourth. I would be extremely happy if this is how the tournament wound up. Going into the SEC tournament, I want Tennessee to be the four seed because Arkansas and Kentucky are both better basketball teams than Tennessee is. Auburn matches up with Tennessee very well. And yes, we lost, but another, just a real quick stat to read off. This is something that's like, okay, like, you know, there's obviously something wrong with Auburn basketball, but the SEC's top four teams are 64 and one at home, and not one of them has beaten the one of the other three on the road. So the top the top four of Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas are 64 and one at home, and not a single one of those teams has beaten one of the other ones on the road. That's just something to keep in mind. It's really hard to win games on the road. You know, that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Auburn was out-rebounded for, I think, a fourth time this season against Tennessee, 54-31. to 54-31. They had 21 offensive rebounds. Okay, Auburn's defense was really solid. Like, Tennessee, they shot 20 for 61, 6 of 16 from 3. They shot 27 free throws, made 21 of them. If you see a team that shoots 61 shots and 27 free throws, like, and they only scored 67 points, that's a good defensive performance. But the problem is 54 rebounds. If you get out-rebounded by 24, that's just embarrassing. I don't care who you are. And it's not like... It's it's 23. Quick 23. Maps. Yeah. So that's it's not like when 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 I look at Auburn playing Tennessee again, they're not going to out-rebound us like that again. Like that's just, it's just not going to happen. Because if you look if you look, you know, they're, you know, they're big bad, you know, foreign guy. What's his name? Plavsic, I think that's his name. The the 7-foot guy from Serbia. Okay. He had 7 rebounds. Like I, I'm not worried about him. He was he's not that good. Like the problem was, and in basket basketball is a game of multiple different arenas. There's a talent aspect, there's an effort aspect, and there's a luck aspect. Tennessee played a better basketball game than Auburn did, and Tennessee hundred percent deserved to beat Auburn yesterday. I, I don't think anyone's debating that. Tennessee played a better game than Auburn did. I think Auburn is a more talented team than Tennessee is, but Tennessee hustled more, and that's why they got so many rebounds, and they were luckier than Auburn was. That is something, like, you know, there, there is something to be said about there were some of those rebounds where our guys were in the right position, and the ball just took a really weird bounce, and Tennessee got it. But there were also a lot of the time where the Tennessee guy just hustled and got the board. Like, if you let a team out-rebound you by that much, it's extremely difficult to win. And, you know, this goes down as a five-point loss. This was a ten-point loss. Like, you know, Jabari scoring, what, nine straight points? Like, that was that was just him being really good. But that's not something you really depend on. Tennessee beat us by ten. So, I'm fine with playing Tennessee again, and I would rather play Tennessee again over Kentucky or Arkansas because I think that Tennessee is the worst out of the top four teams in the SEC. Now. With that being said, Auburn will not have success in March without the guard play stepping up. Now, the positive thing is KD, KD doesn't have to play super well. He really doesn't. Zepp doesn't have to play super well for Auburn to succeed. There are not a lot of players like Jabari needs to have a good like Jabari needs to have a good game, but you can always depend on Jabari having a good game. If Wendell has a good game, then you're going to have Wendell, Jabari, and Walker all have good games. And you're going to win most games if you have three players that play a good game. That's how college basketball is. The reason that Wendell is the most important player on the team is because he carries the offense for two different people. And if Wendell can get out of his own head, can get out of this slump, I think that we will be perfectly fine and I'm not worried for the rest of the season. And I think that we'll compete. And if we lose, we lose. But if we lose a game where Wendell plays well, then that's just going to be like, well, that's just how it works. But the thing is, if Auburn does not return to the offensive identity that they had in the begin or in the middle of the season, 
then it's going to be tough to win games. Now, Auburn can beat Mississippi State and South Carolina without really returning to that offensive identity. Beating Mississippi State on the road will not be easy if we don't play well, but that's a game I'll, I'll hit the panic button if we lose to Mississippi State. That, that's when I'll be starting to panic a little bit because you're getting a little, you know, you're getting closer to March. Mississippi State's not that good of a team. Their coach is probably going to get fired in the offseason. Like, that's a game that you shouldn't lose. But if Auburn can win the next two games, then all of a sudden, okay, you win the SEC regular season. You're going to be a one seed in the SEC tournament. You get rest. You don't have to play until Friday. So you get a much-needed rest. Because, I mean, the guys are tired. Like, you know, like the guys have played a whole season, they're tired. They get the rest. They play a game on Friday. And then all of a sudden, you've played three teams that you're better than. You get some momentum with three straight wins. And then you play Tennessee again in all likelihood. Then you'll play Kentucky and Arkansas in the SEC championship. Auburn has the scenario possible to get some momentum going before the NCAA tournament. That's why I'm not hitting the panic button quite yet, because I think that we're still in a position that if we can figure it out, we can turn it around quick. But the problem is, and I agree with a lot of what everyone is saying, our guard play in the past few games has been terrible. It's been terrible. And you can't win games when your point guards combine for five points on 17 shots. Like, our point guards took 17 shots. They had five points. And they also had – they only had three turnovers. Like, that was the thing that really was the problem is that we didn't even turn it over that much. Like we had three turnovers in the first half. We just, we just didn't play well. And so I think that Auburn is in a tough spot because I think that we are, we're still close. We're close to being a team that can meet the expectations that we have, but we're also very close to being a team that can be the most disappointing Auburn team ever. How do you have four guys not score, including a starter? How does someone starting in a college basketball game that doesn't get hurt not score? How, how is that even possible? How do you play 18 minutes of basketball at the point guard position and take two shots? Two in 17 minutes. How do you get three fouls in five minutes? As a forward, five minutes, three fouls. How does your center, your starting center, and your backup center both get out-rebounded by your 5-7 point guard? These are tough questions. To I mean, that, that, that just shows you how poorly the team was playing. I mean, some of the individual performances... Even if there was effort there, the result was just, I mean, very poor. You know? I mean, it's like you said. Two for 17 out of your two-point guards for five points. How are you going two for 15 from the field and still jack up seven threes? How? I just don't understand it. It it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. How is your seven-footer who's who's airballed more threes than he's made, still jacking up a three when you're getting out-rebounded by 20 and possessions are at a premium. These are concerning things. That's why I'm hitting the panic button because when Auburn plays good teams, they do really stupid stuff. Like, they, they're smarter when they know they're better than the other team. When the other team is on their talent level, they do stupid Stupid stuff. Like jack up a three at seven feet when you airball more than you make. Like have your forward, your centers, several of your guards. You only have one guy out rebound your five seven point guard, and it's your six ten lottery pick that you expect. Every single every single other person got out rebounded by the little man. That's just effort. Like yeah. How are you over a foot taller than this guy and he still has more rebounds than you? That It's just, it's unbelievable to me. You look over on the other side, our little man got out-rebounded 
by eight of their guys. They played 11. I mean, they're just grabbing boards all over the place. It can't be that easy. You can't get boxed out as a center so much that you end up with five boards as a center. Five boards. And I agree. And the thing is, that hasn't the thing that the the reason that the the effort part doesn't concern me as much is because it hasn't been a problem this season, and I don't think it'll be a problem next game because I think that Bruce is going to get onto him about their effort, and I think they're going to come back and have a I think they're going to have the effort that they need in the next few games. So I don't think like th- this was a I think this was an anomaly, you know. Like, How do you not been, have effort in a game that basically wins you the SEC championship? You're playing against your coach's former team. You're playing a top top 20 team on the road. You're going to go dance on the logo, and then you're going to go get out-rebounded by 20 rebounds. Because shooting, you, I mean, you can have an off-shooting day, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, you can't just effort more shots into the basket. So, like, that, that's just a, a cold streak, and it's frustrating, and you can talk about the quality of shot. But at the end of the day, whether or not the ball goes through the hoop is not in, in your control that much. Getting out rebounded by 20 is in your control. Still jacking up threes when your team is shooting, what, 20% from three-point land? So you're going to shoot more than the other team that's shooting 40% from three-point land. So it's just, I don't understand it. I don't understand how you have the height advantage at every single position and you shoot half as many free throws as the other team. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, and then, and then like I said earlier, uh, having a technical foul on one of your turnovers, being on a back-to-back possession with that technical foul out of the same player. I know he had a heck of a game, but that kills you. Because that's bad. I mean, that's a six-point swing that happens. So, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's concerning things. It's not just not playing well. It It seems very rocky. It doesn't seem... It doesn't seem good. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, everything's all fine and good when you're playing Ole Miss and you're shooting 46% from three. But that's the thing. This team's not going to consistently shoot 43% from three. And so, recently, the games that you've been winning have been games that you shot out of your mind from three-point land. And that just, you haven't done that against a good team yet. I mean, the only the only game they've won recently that they didn't shoot out of their mind was against a bad Texas A&M team. And, again, how do you shoot 12? In that game, they shot 12% from three-point land. 1-2, 12. And they still jacked up 25 of them. That's some questionable decisions out of, you know, at what point does the coach say, all right, guys, like, we're not doing that tonight. We're not we're not going to take that many. Hey, Allen, you're one of six. Let's stop doing that. Hey, KD, you're 0 of 5. Let's chill out with that. Uh, let's see who else took a three. A lot of 0 and 1s. Devin, 0 of 4. Uh, some questionable shot decisions, even in the games you're winning. And that's why I'm panicking. Because these are difficult things... They're not difficult things to fix in that the coach can tell you what to do. They're difficult things to fix because it seems like they're habits because they've happened since the Alabama game. Because since they scored 100 in the Alabama game, it has been one big questionable decision of shot selection on offense. Like Georgia had the game plan of stopping the pick and roll from Wendell and Walker. And ever since then, the offense has lost their identity. And I don't know that it's going to come back because there was never, that was the offensive identity. And that's the only one that's worked because early in the season, you didn't have an offensive identity. You kind of found that in the late non-con into the early conference. But then since then, you've kind of been crippling through games where you're actually knocking down threes at a excessive clip. Yeah. And I I agree that, it's a that is a problem, but also you look at that game where Auburn scored 100 points, and we still shot five of 21 from three. So, like, 
I don't think that this team will find offensive identity in the three ball. I, I think that we shoot too many threes for, for what we have. I think that it's the free throws is the thing. Like, the game against Alabama, Walker, which two of two from the free throw line, Jabari shot nine, Allen shot six, KD shot eight, Zepp shot two, Jalen Williams shot two, Devin shot four, Wendell shot five. Like, drive in and get fouled because in college basketball, free throws are the biggest thing because in the NBA, people are too good to, for you to shoot a bad percentage. In college basketball, they're not. Like, you can shoot a bad percentage from three, and if you shoot enough free throws, it'll be fine. You can still blow a team out. Auburn's team is built on playing inside and not shooting threes because we don't have shooters. Like, Allen is not going to become a shooter this season. He Next season, he might go back to what he was last season to be able to shoot, but until, I mean, he he's in his own head. He's not going to become a three-point shooter this year. KD really can't shoot the three that well. Devin, we know Devin can't shoot the three. Like, Auburn doesn't have three-point shooters on this team. Walker's a terrible three-point shooter. Jabari is really the only good one. Wendell is, Wendell, when he's hot, he can make them. But Jabari is the only guy who night in, night out, if he shoots the three, you're perfectly fine with it. And that's the problem is that we keep shooting threes and we don't have an identity. If Auburn can just play like we did earlier in the season and just go to like drive into the lane, get fouled, get to the line, see your shot go in. That's how you can get out of the slump that we're in because we're still going to play good defense. Like teams are not just going to blow the doors off of Auburn and Auburn's defense. I mean, that's just, you just look at, I mean, the past few games, Tennessee scored 67, Ole Miss 64, Florida 63, Vanderbilt 80, Texas A&M 58, Arkansas 80 in overtime, Georgia 72, Alabama 81. Okay, you look at those games where people, oh, like, okay, the only times people scored 80, it was Arkansas in a game that went to overtime. It was Alabama in one of their best offensive games of the season from their guards, and Vanderbilt where Scottie Pippen Jr. scored 30. Okay, when things that don't happen every day in college basketball happen, that's the only time that people are really beating this defense. Auburn's defense, even in the losses, that's been the one thing. The offense has been putrid at times. The defense has been good. I mean, for I mean, you look at the Florida and the Tennessee games, the defense was still good. Rebounding was a huge problem in Tennessee, but defense was still good. If Auburn like it Auburn lost the game by five points, like it is it's kind of easy to score five points. Devin, blew, Devin and KD both blew wide open layups. You know, Auburn missed four free throws. If Auburn makes those, all of a sudden, okay, that's something that's easy. You know, two easy layups and four free throws that are, by definition, free shots that are not contested. You make those, you win the game. College basketball is a game where if you can change, a lot of times, if you can just change a couple plays, you can win the game. And Auburn needs to get to the point, if we want to win a championship, we don't have to shoot the three lights out. We don't have to shoot from the field lights out. We don't have to be the best team ever. We just have to do what we do and do it better than the other team does. And that's all that matters. If we can – the that's, that's another frustrating thing. When people talk about Bruce's coaching in these games, it's just like, okay, well, Bruce can't coach effort, you know? Like – Bruce can – it's on Bruce if the team comes out night in and night out and the effort is bad. But if they just show – like like you said, you know, it, it's embarrassing that the team goes in to the old – their coach's old school, top 20 game, crowd's going crazy. They dance on the logo before, and then they come out and get out hustled. Like, that's on the team. That is the team's fault. That was a stupid thing by them. But Bruce can't expect effort to be a problem in this game. Like, that was probably something he was really surprised about. I don't think the effort will be a problem because Bruce is a really good coach. Bruce, the plays that they've drawn up, a lot of the plays are working. Like, it, like KD was found wide open in the paint on that, you know, the wraparound play where he just goes under the paint. If you just blow the layup, like, that's not on the coach. Like, that's like if the coach, like if a football coach draws open a play and the guy's running free into the end zone and the QB overthrows him. Well, that's not on the coach. The play was good. The players just couldn't execute it. Like, I, I, 
I'm not hitting the panic button just yet because I think that the coaches will be able to put the guys in a position to win these next two games. And I think that our team is just so emotional that if they can get some wins under their belt and they can play good basketball, I think they can turn it around. And I think, I don't think it's too late for the team that we saw late January, beginning of February. I don't think it's too late to see those guys again in March. I hope you're right. I don't know. It, it's a, it's a tough situation because, you know, you look at it and you, you have multiple things that are going for you because, yes, Auburn is still number one in the SEC. Yes, Auburn is still going to be the one seed in the SEC tournament. Auburn still has a chance to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. But we're not playing well. And I think that it's just there's just nothing we can really do or say because at the end of the day, Auburn just has to start playing better. And if Auburn, Auburn, will, I don't think Auburn will play their best. I don't think that this team will play to their potential one time this season because they haven't done it so far. And usually it's not going to happen in March. But the thing is, Auburn can win a national championship without playing their best game. I know that it seems super far out. Like it seems like it's a super crazy possibility to say this team could still win. But I think that really all that it depends on is Wendell Green waking up and having a good game. Because if he goes into the stretch that he had where he was averaging 15 points, a lot of the games you were like, man, how how is a team going to beat these guys? Because there, so, there were so many scoring options. The defense was so good. And you're just like, it's going to be really tough to beat these guys. And it's the same team. You just need Wendell to start playing good. And if he starts playing good, it'll all be fine. And I, I firmly believe that. I think that if I, I think that the root of the problem is that Wendell can't get going. And if he can start a game where he can get some points, he can get some free throws, he can get some points on the board, if that can just break him out of his slump. And I think that having I think it's good. I think it's good that we have a game at Mississippi State before the SEC tournament. Because if we win this game, it kind of, you know, it kind of takes it off their back that they can't win on the road, you know? If they can beat Mississippi State, yes, it's not the same caliber of team that they've been losing to, but if they can get a win on the road and then they can, then it's like, okay, the pieces are starting to fall together. They're winning games. They're winning games that people said that they couldn't win. Then you go into the SEC tournament and you see what they can do. But I, I really think that this team has still has a great opportunity to be a really memorable squad in March. But there's just a couple things that need to change. And they might not change. And, you know, I, I expect I, – if you listened to the podcast last week, I expected Auburn to really go out against Tennessee and put up a good showing. And we didn't see that. I'm hopeful that these next two games will be strong. I know that Wheeler doesn't think that we're going to be strong in these next two games. And I'm really hopeful that we will be. And, you know, it's kind of the the roles are reversed a little bit as I'm kind of feeling as the optimist and Wheeler's, you know, being more of the pessimistic side. But I, I'm, I'm interested to see how Auburn can bounce back because this is legitimate adversity. Like, this is a legitimate, you know, tough task that this team has to overcome. And only time will tell if they can overcome it. But I'm, I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. And the thing is, Auburn could still, like, seriously have an outright SEC or not outright a tied SEC championship and lose both of these games. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky plays Florida on the last day of the season, and Tennessee and Arkansas play each other. So that'll sort out one of those teams. Arkansas is playing uh, LSU earlier in the week. So if Arkansas loses to LSU and then beats Tennessee and Kentucky gets knocked off by Florida, then Auburn doesn't have to win another game to have a share of the SEC championship. Yeah, and I don't know. That's that's the kind of thing where I, I feel like it would really feel like 2018 did when we won the regular season and we were like – and we were just happy that we hung on. 
But I mean, I I really think if we don't win these next two games, I, I'll find it difficult to have momentum going in to March to the SEC tournament in March Madness when you've dropped. What would that be if we if we lost even just one? I mean, that's losing what four out of seven. So uh, that's. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just – that's a really bad way to finish the season. Um, biggest thing to watch, uh, I think, is – and Wheeler, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but I think we're big Arkansas fans for, you know, the, the last two games, you know? Like, I, I think that, you know, the ideal situation is that Auburn wins the next two games, clinches the one seed in the SEC tournament. But I would much rather see – I mean, I, I would much rather see Tennessee in the semifinals of the SEC, in a potential semifinal matchup in the SEC tournament than I would rather see Arkansas or Kentucky. So, you know, we kind of talked about this a couple, uh, couple weeks ago, but kind of going back, what would your ideal scenario be for the SEC tournament on potential matchups going into that now that, you know, obviously there's two games left, but you kind of have a more clear – uh, vision of who Auburn could play. Uh, I think I'd want to play Kentucky or Tennessee. Um, and I I don't think I think Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, and Arkansas are going to be your final four in the SEC tournament. Uh, I think that they're head and shoulders better than anybody else. And on a neutral floor for a tournament, I don't see anybody knocking those teams off before they make it there that's just the way i see it uh lsu's really declined alabama could potentially make it actually that'd be a dream scenario playing alabama because we match up super well with them especially on a neutral floor um i mean unless we just keep on quitting on offense yeah i mean the the, the team that played against tennessee and florida is going to lose to alabama lsu or florida again on a neutral site uh, they will lose to anyone they play, I would venture to say. If they play like they did in those games, they will lose to anyone they play on Friday of the SEC tournament. Because if a team has made it to Friday of the SEC tournament, they are not bad. And that's a fair, fair assessment. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't play like that. that that's the bottom line. Is They're just playing very badly right now. And, I mean, there's it's just really disappointing. Because... Other teams lost, but you can't, like, they're not just playing terribly right now. Like, that's what I'm trying to say is this, it wasn't just this loss. The team has not played well in a month. And, yeah, I mean, I don't even, I'm less concerned, honestly, with the matchups in the SEC tournament because if they play the way they do, having a first, you know, having a bye till Friday, if they play anywhere near like they've been playing, they're just going to get wiped. So, I don't know. I know that I'm normally Mr. Optimistic, but I just felt like in football season, they were always on They were on the edge of turning it around and being really good. And I don't feel like we're on the edge of anything good happening in basketball. Yeah, I, I think that it'll be I'm, – I'm hopeful – that going 2-0 this week can possibly change perception of everything a little bit. But, again, it really depends on how we play in those games, you know? Like, just going 2-0 won't necessarily make everything all better again, but I'm hopeful that Auburn can turn it around and look good in these next two games and, you know, get some momentum going. But – is it Brian yeah. Harson's fault we lost this game since he went with the team? <laughs> I That's what I heard. I was talking to Yellowfella the other day, and he said that it was Brian Harson's fault and that he slept with his assistant on the way to the game and was verbally abusive to the hot dog man at the concession stand. <laughs> I think we should fire him. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, yeah, that might be, uh, you know, maybe that the fact that Brian Harson watched Auburn lose in Knoxville, maybe that'll be something that's brought up next offseason when the boosters want to fire Brian. But 
you know, I feel like that's kind of a good transition into our, you know, kind of our football corner of the podcast. Uh, Ike Hilliard was hired as the new wide receivers coach. For those who don't know, Ike Hilliard played at Florida. He was the seventh overall pick in the 1997 NFL draft and played wide receiver in the NFL from 1997 to 2008. Hilliard coached wide receivers at the Miami Dolphins, Washington Redskins, Pittsburgh Steelers, Buffalo Bills, and was also interviewed for the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator position back in 2020. So this guy's got a really good, uh, you know, really good resume. So Weather, what were your kind of, what were your thoughts about the hire? Did you, you know, just kind of, what would you grade it? And how would you grade what Brian Harson has done since the last time we talked about it when we said that it was some of the most critical moments ever in Auburn football? How would you think that Brian Harson has reacted? How do you think he stepped up to the plate? And how would you grade both the hire of Ike Hilliard and kind of how Brian Harson has performed in the past two, two and a half, three weeks? I would give Brian Harson's post uh... – Post near firing uh, actions at Auburn, an A minus, um, and I think that it was somewhere in the B range until Ike Hilliard got hired. I think this is a really exciting hire. Um, obviously, I think we talked the last time. Zach Etheridge was a must; had to keep him. Uh, you know, we said you really need to bring in an outside guy. He kept Keysaw. I understand. I mean, the dude just went through. I mean, a, a treacherous time in his career. He wants dudes that he trusts. If he's going to go down, he wants to go down with his guys. Didn't think that was the greatest hire. They did promote Trevon Reed to recruiting director. Also, recruiting director. Does that mean Darren Usher is, like, gone? Because everybody was like, oh, congrats, bro. And I was like, I feel like Darren Usher used to have this job and never got fired. And his Twitter and stuff still says that he works for Auburn. But I don't know. I was I was very confused when Trevon got th- I thought it was a great move. Like, I'm happy for Trevon. I think he's going to do great in that. I just didn't know that we had a position available to do that. The The way that I interpreted it, the way I interpreted the, the uh, kind of the scenario was essentially that Darren Usher and Trevon Reed are still going to have the same job. Trevon Reed, you know, kind of the, the role that he had during the early signing period, you know, I think that he kind of stepped up to more responsibility. And I think this is just a quote unquote better title. And I think it's a better pay. So I think that it's just kind of like, I think this was kind of a formality. Whereas I think that Darren Usher and Trevon Reed are both going to be doing the same thing that they were doing last November and December, but there's going to be, you know, Trevon Reed's going to be, paid more to do so that's just kind of the way that i interpreted it um but yeah okay after after going back to twitter i apologize to the listeners trevon is the director of football recruiting relations and darren is the director of recruiting okay anyway (laughs) (laughs) which is some of the stupidest way that you can change i mean like the thing that's something where you can read someone's job title and have no clue what they do, you know? Yeah, that that was confusing. But yeah, I mean Ike uh super good as a player, uh both in college and in the NFL. Uh and has coached a lot of really good wide receivers since he's been in the NFL. Um I think that that's what you look at. Like who has he had who is who does he have connections to in the NFL because the thing is even if he didn't coach them up he didn't have guys that just went downhill so he's not a bad coach and when you're on the recruiting trail you know you can say oh yeah I I coached you know Chase Claypool oh yeah I I coached uh well I don't think I'd go with talking about Deontay because you know his hands are a little bit questionable I feel like um, Terry McLaurin is kind of the the main guy that he'd be flexing, you know? Yeah, and, and Chase. I, so, I mean, he's got good guys that he can flex. Um, yeah, I think it's exciting. I think he's going to bring a level of professionalism to the wide receiver room. Um, and I think that's good because they had a little bit of a struggle. Uh, big difference in this guy and Cornelius, you know? I mean, <laughs> the Cornelius was the opposite of professional. 
Um, but Ike, you know, I'm excited about him. I think he's going to be a good recruiter, and I think he's going to hold the standard high. And I think that's what Horson was looking for with somebody that was – I think that's why he likes these NFL guys because in the NFL the standard is – you know, Horson's big on talking about the standard. And in the NFL, they're not as much about the rah-rah about the standard because they'll just – fire you if you don't meet the standard so like they're not inspiring you to meet the standard but they have the same standards um so yeah i think that's good and i mean hey he he has he has done a great job he went to the basketball game at home he took a road trip with the basketball team like that's a big pr move that that was a good thing that he did he did the paintball thing. I mean, he looked like he was having more fun than any of the players were i want to know like did he have the technical outfit just hanging in the closet waiting? Like, There's no doubt in my mind that Brian Harson had every single thing that he wore at that paintball thing. I don't think he bought a single thing. I think he already owned every single bit of it. So do you think we can start a rumor here on the Auburn Today podcast that not only is Brian Harson a Scientologist, he is also a doomsday prepper, and he is in cahoots with Vladimir Putin to try and get doomsday to occur so that he can use some of his prepper gear and he can be part of the purge that occurred. Oh man. Can you imagine if Brian Harson went and joined the rebellion in Ukraine? You know how they called for anybody in the world to come and just fight. Can you imagine him just getting some of his anger out with the board of trustees? What a story that would year? be. What a story that would be is that Auburn had to find a new coach because our head coach went to Ukraine to go fight just because he was looking for some action. <laughs> Sorry to make light of the Ukraine situation. I know that it's actually a terrible humanitarian and other problem in the world, but man, he was ready to go for that paintball war and it fired me up, man. I mean, he showed up. I love that he also didn't get ready at the paintball course. <laughs> Like the the pictures, he's sitting in the trophy room in full tactical gear with his face painted up like he is ready to go to war. So, now, I love what Brian's been doing. He also, they had the video of him, and uh, I, I, I'm blanking on what the other coach was who was helping him, but they were challenging guys to tug-of-war competitions at workouts the other day. Like, he has done everything we put on the checklist of trying to become a more relatable guy. Now, the hit piece did come out uh, on, from the Montgomery Advertiser, uh, kind of talking about how none of the high school coaches in Alabama know his name. And again, I think that's a culture thing that he needs to understand that's really important to high school coaches in Alabama. And that high school coaches, while they don't have the biggest role in deciding where a guy's going to go to college, like, they do have some role, and people want to know who the head coach is. You know, they want to go and talk to their buddies and say, oh, yeah, Brian Harson was at my school the other day, and he told me we got some real good players. Uh-huh, yep. I mean, that's that's what people in Alabama want to do. They want to talk about deer hunting. They want to talk about, you know, what coach came to their school and how he's looking at Jimmy, and Jimmy's going to be a real good ball player up at Auburn, you know, and – uh it, that's just something he needs to grow in. But I think he will. Um, he's doing a good job on the recruiting trail, getting some good uh, momentum over there. The football-only facility is coming along well. Auburn announced that it was on time and on budget. So that's really exciting because that will be a big boost this football season um, to be able to do. I really hope that they do an open house of the new football-only facility because I think that will get a lot of people excited about Auburn football again. And not just, you know, release a video of what it is. You know, as soon as the team moves in, hopefully you can do it before fall camp and you just have a, a Saturday, almost like a fan day, and you let everybody roam the halls and just take a look at it. It's going to raise a lot of excitement and, you know, get some goodwill for the team. But overall, I think football is headed in a good direction. And, uh, I'm not sure why it was necessary to publish the hit piece on Harson this week at Montgomery Advertiser, but, hey, get your clicks. You need them. Yeah, and I think that it was a, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think that Brian Harson has done a good job maneuvering in the past couple of weeks. Um, I believe it's six Saturdays until A-Day. So, you know, that'll be, uh, that'll be another – 
uh, opportunity for him to, you know, do some PR stuff and do some fun stuff at A-Day, you know. A-Day is always a weird one because it's, you know, Gus was really, Gus was good in this and the fact that A-Day, you never saw anything that meant anything, but it was always fun to go to and he would always do something at A-Day that you were never going to see in the season. You know, he would always have some kind of trick play and everyone would be like, or he would do something that you're like, oh, that was fun at A-Day. And going into the season, we'd always be like, oh, remember those fun plays at A-Day that we had? We never saw them in the game. But it made A-Day fun, you know? So I think that that's, it's something that Brian Harson can possibly do that if it's like, if he makes A-Day kind of more of a fun environment, then it, it just helps his his PR even more, so... That was, uh, you know, that's kind of the football thing. Um, baseball, uh, baseball's been kind of, you know, had some had some ups and downs. Uh, had a ranked win over Texas Tech. That was good. Uh, beat Yale in a series two to one. Ended up losing last night in extra innings. That was a tough one. But baseball is kind of, you know, looking to hopefully not just crumble during conference play like last year's team did, but. You know, that's kind of – we'll probably get in – we'll get more into baseball kind of when basketball's over because that's, you know, just where our focus is right now. But bottom line is, you know, basketball, just kind of a waiting game for us. We'll be back next week. We'll be breaking down the week of basketball. By then, we will have an SEC tournament bracket. We'll be going in-depth on that. We'll be giving predictions on all that good stuff. So if you guys are, you know, really wanting to – know our takes on the sec tournament just be sure to come back next week and whether if you don't have anything to add i think that they'll just wrap it up for us so again if you guys have any questions comments or concerns feel free to dm the page thank you all for listening and war eagle war eagle